All right, so we're going to keep going through our series tonight. Uh, if you guys want to open up with me, we are in Hebrews still. We're walking through the book of Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 4 tonight, and we're going to look at verse 14. I know you're like, man, we're never going to finish this book because you're just doing one verse at a time, but there's so much awesome stuff in this book. I hope you guys see it. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're learning a lot about Jesus as we're walking through the book of Hebrews because it's all about, hopefully you remember, Jesus is better than everything. So there is nothing better in the entire universe and all of existence than Jesus Christ. We firmly believe that here at Firehouse. I believe that with all my heart. I wouldn't be on a stage tonight saying those words if I didn't believe that Jesus really was better than anyone and anything in the entire universe. I've never encountered anyone better than Jesus, and I never will, and neither will you. So as we're walking through this, we're just in Hebrews 4, verse 14. You guys open up there real quick. We'll read it together. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. It's all about Jesus. (laughs) That whole verse is all about Jesus. Everything in here is just pointing us to the fact that no matter where you look, no matter who you look for, you're not going to find someone better. Have I said it enough times tonight? I hope I'm able to get it through, get it past this like imaginary barrier on the stage, and you're actually hearing what I'm saying. There's no one better than Jesus. And you're like, yeah, you said it like 60 times, Rob. I get it. Okay, great. Do you really get it? When you leave this place, if you really get it, you're not going to go looking for other things to try to fill those little voids in your heart. You're not going to walk out of here longing for things that aren't Jesus. You're going to walk out of here actually going, I want Jesus more than I want anything else. So so let's just be honest. Like when you leave here, after we've been talking through how Jesus is better, if you really get it, is that you? Are you leaving going, I actually just want Jesus more tonight? Or immediately when you leave, are you seeking out other things that you think will fill voids or or places of just empty space in your heart, or loneliness, or doubt, or you name it. Even as you sit here tonight, maybe some of us are like, man, all I can think about is this one thing going on in my life, you know, this one area that hurts really bad, or that like I'm just so concerned about, and it's just distracting you to the point of like, you brought it in here with this heaviness, and you sat down in your chair, and even as I'm speaking or we're worshiping, all you can think about is that thing Like in the back of your mind, like that's happening right now. That's real in my life. And it's so powerful to you tonight, and it's so strong in your life that it's like the thing you're thinking about. And I want to challenge you tonight to set it aside. Don't let it distract you. For the next few minutes, will you just think about Jesus? Will you just think, man, he is so much better. He's so much more important than anything that could be going wrong or right in my life right now. And let's just spend a few minutes together talking about how incredible Jesus is. So I'm going to read the verse one more time, and I hope you hear it differently this time when I read it. Undistracted, thinking that Jesus really is the greatest thing, the greatest person you'll ever encounter. Listen to verse 14. It says, therefore, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, 
let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. There's a couple reasons why, just in this one verse, Jesus is so much better than everyone and everything else, right? We've talked through a bunch by now. We're in chapter four now of Hebrews. And so he's been telling us all sorts of awesome things about Jesus. He is better than Moses. He's better than angels. He's better than the law. He's better than everything, right? Like he's just gone through so many things. And now as he talks to us tonight, there's a thing he's kind of placing up against Jesus and saying he's better than that too. And it's in kind of the verse there, the high priest. So remember, he's talking to a bunch of Jewish people. The book is written, this letter is written to Hebrews, right? Jewish people from the Jewish faith. And they have the sacrificial system and laws that they follow and priests that they, they listen to. And it's like this whole thing of religious ceremony. And he's speaking to them. And so they have in their mind all these levels of like what's important and not important, holy and unholy and clean. And it's just like, oh my goodness, how do I even make sense of all of that? And he's going like, basically, let me just compare what you're believing now, all of this religious tradition, to one person. It's so simple. Religion doesn't have to be confusing in this huge religious ceremonial mess. It's so simple. It's one person. He's better than all of it. He's the greatest high priest. In other words, he's greater than your laws and your priests and even your high priest and your rules and all of these sacrifices that you make that you think clean and cleanse you. Jesus is better. Declutter all this mess and just put your eyes on Jesus and realize that he's the greatest high priest you will ever encounter. If he's really that good, that he's stronger than angels, he's more powerful than them, he's wiser than Moses, he's all of these amazing things that we've mentioned in four chapters now. If he's truly that, then guess what? He's better than whatever religion you've built in your heart and in your mind. Look, I haven't built a religion, but have you? If I were to talk to you tonight and just, hey, describe what you believe about Jesus, describe church, describe like your religion to me, you would probably have ways that you could describe that. You've grown up, probably, some of you, in the church. Or others, maybe you're newer to the church and you're starting to formulate ideas about things you see and songs you hear and words your pastor says or your parents say. And you're formulating these little, this, this religion in your mind of what Christianity actually is. And the author here is like, throw it away. That thing that you built, that thing that you constructed in your head about what you think about Christianity and religion and all that stuff, toss it to the ground. Because I'm here to tell you it's about one thing. It's about one person. Whatever you've made it about. There are people that I talk to all week long that think they know, right? They formulated this idea of Christianity. They say, like, Rob, listen, I go to church, and people just judge me the whole time. Like, how do I even walk in the back door? I'm going to come in and people are going to look at the way I dress. They're going to look at the way I talk. They're, going to, they're just going to see my lifestyle immediately because I am not like them. And immediately I'm going to be judged. I can't even come to church. And you know what? For a lot of those people, I don't blame them. That is how they get treated a lot. Some of you might know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe you visited a church or, or a youth group that has just been like, whoa, <laughs> not accepting in any way. And you're like, I don't fit in there. Maybe that's how you're viewing Christianity, by a bad experience with a church. 
Or maybe you're viewing Christianity in other ways. Maybe you grew up in this high-pressure family that, like, just expected a lot of for you. Like they had rules and they were strict and they brought you to a church that had rules and was strict. And so your view of Christianity as you've grown up is this really strict, like religious rule system. Like I better behave in front of the adults. And the second I leave my friends, I am living a totally different lifestyle because I need some freedom. I can't even breathe over here. And then you walk away and you feel guilty because you're like, man, I'm a hypocrite. Like I'm living this way and this way. Like there's so many ways, so many different ways that people in this room probably have formulated different ideas of what Christianity is, of what religion is. And a lot of it probably has to do with how you grew up. But the reality is here we are. We're here today. We're in this room and Jesus is here with us. And you have the opportunity tonight to take whatever picture you built for yourself of religion and just throw it away. And to hear this call tonight from Hebrews 4.14. And to look to the one person that actually is Christianity. To look to Jesus above everyone and everything else. Above the rules, the expectations, the ceremonial stuff, all of other stuff. And just look at Jesus. And be like, Jesus, I want you more than anyone and anything else. I want you to be my religion. I want you to be my life, you to be everything. And so as he points these things out, there's a couple things here. Look at this. He says, therefore, everything we talked about, Jesus is better than everything because of that. I don't want you to miss out on this salvation. It's right in front of you. Like you're so close to it. Remember he said that? You're like this boat that's drifting past a harbor and the sailor wasn't looking. And so he missed the, the point where they had to drop the anchor so they could spin around into the harbor. like. You just drifted right by it. And now, like, you're, you're not coming back. The current's taking you. You're not getting into the harbor. And he's describing our faith and our salvation that way that some of us were, like, so close. You hear about Jesus all the time. Your youth pastor makes, basically makes you nauseous because he said it so many times to you, right? Like, Jesus is better. You're like, here he goes again. Your friends are talking about it. Like, you hear about Jesus, and you, you get it here but it hasn't made its way here. And so your, your ship is passing the harbor. You're drifting by to a point where you're going to miss out on salvation. You're going to miss out on the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. Someone who loves you, who accepts you, who forgives your sin, who wants to take your life, transform it into something unbelievably amazing. But you're going to drift by. It says, therefore, okay, that's how he started, because of all that. Since we have a great high priest. Now listen, first awesome thing about Jesus compared to these high priests is this. They had to basically be restrained in every single way from the presence of God. They were allowed to go into the temple, like where the the symbolic like presence of God was in the Holy of Holies, but they could only do it one day a year. The day of atonement, they were allowed. One day a year, they could go in. They would go through the outer courts. They would go to the holy place and then into the holy of holies once they've like made themselves ceremonially clean and their hearts clean and they've prayed and they're like ready because you would not enter into the holy of holies into the presence of God unless you have confessed your sins and you are like clean before God. You know why? Because if you walked in there any other way, you were struck dead. 
I wore a little bell. So if they heard the bell stop ringing, they knew the priest had just died and they had a rope on him and they would pull him out because no one else could go in after him. Like it was, they took it that seriously. And God was that serious about sin. It's like sin is wrong. I hate it so much that it brings the penalty of death. That's why Jesus has to go to a cross. God takes sin seriously. And these high priests, they were imperfect men trying to do a thing God called them to do for his people. Be a picture of Jesus. Not be Jesus himself. But basically by by the ceremony that they would do, going into that Holy of Holies and sprinkling blood over the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God resided, they they were just painting a picture for people that there would be a sacrifice of blood that would save us and forgive our sin and would bring us into God's presence in this intimate way where we wouldn't have to walk in there anymore fearful that we would be struck dead immediately if we had one bad thought. There was this freedom that says, I love you and I forgive your sin. And I know you're not perfect, but I'm gonna do some work inside of you to make you more like me. And so these priests were limited. They could only stay in there for a very short amount of time, just long enough to do the sacrifice and leave. Only one day a year, and it was just this one guy that could do it. They were so limited, and guess what? They had to do it every single year. They had to keep going back and doing it over and over again. Well, guess what? Jesus is a high priest. When he went to the cross, His blood that was shed was enough that he never has to do it ever again. It's so powerful and pure that the blood of Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus gets to live in the presence of God. You know why? Because he is God. He's part of the Trinity. The high priest could never claim to do that. They could never claim to do one sacrifice and be done because it was so great. Jesus' blood could. Like Jesus, in every single way, was better than every part of their religion. He just blew their religion away. And guess what? He's better than any part of whatever religion you've created in your mind. He's so much better. Unfortunately, I know there are a lot of teenagers nowadays that have this horrible perception of religion. Church. You hear it screamed out all the time on social media and from our culture that the church is the bad guy. We're a bunch of mean bigots who are just like terrible to people and we're not loving. Like all these messages that are exactly opposite of what we believe from the Bible. And that can force some of us to like develop this idea of church. Like how could you be so unloving to people? How could you believe sin is real? When really what we're seeing here is that that's just this made up thing that we need to throw down and realize that there's one man who gets to say all that. His name was Jesus. He's the dude who went to the cross. He's the one who stepped out of heaven and took on a a, a broken body for us. He's the one who's done all of this to make all of this possible. He's the one who gets to say what is sin and what is righteous. He's the one who gets to say who gets forgiven. He is the one who gets to look you in the eyes and go, I love you. In spite of everything you've done, I still love you. That's religion. Jesus. Don't listen to what the world's telling you. He is love. And he also knows how horrible sin is at the same time. And that's what he wants for us to be able to do as well. And so he is this great high priest. 
He also, it says, who has ascended into heaven. <laughs> what is going on? We having a little disco in the front row here. Um, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, he has ascended into heaven, it says. Now, listen, this part is like some people get confused with this. They get confused because they're like, well, where is heaven? What is heaven? And some people are like, well, there's three areas. There's like three levels of heaven the Bible talks about. And some people say it's like the first is just the sky. It's like our sky. Second is like space. And the third is like beyond physical like dimensions. It's where God lives, like the realm, the spiritual realm. I don't know if that's true or not true. However, people have like put that. The Bible is not specific about it. But what it does point out here is that this heaven it's talking about is a place that goes far beyond any person can go on our own. It is a spiritual dimension that we cannot reach. It is the the dwelling place of God where human beings cannot get to. No physical priest, no matter how many ceremonies or sacrifices they could do, could ever get literally to the throne of God. They could go to the Holy of Holies, into this like tabernacle, this tent that they had built to worship. They could never go into heaven itself. Jesus didn't have to go to the Holy of Holies. Jesus literally got to be in the presence of God as a person of God, as one of the members of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't get any more intimate than that. That's where Jesus would reside. That's where Jesus is today in the presence of his Father. That's pretty amazing, right? Because now we're not just talking to someone who knows about God. We're talking about someone who is God himself. You want to talk about authority to be able to talk about things of the Lord? It's him because he is the Lord. It's amazing to be able to follow Jesus and know that he can go places I can't go, but he's going to bring me to places I can't go on my own. One day I will get to walk into heaven. One day I will stand in the presence of God himself and not perish. Like I'll be able to be in God's presence. All that is because of Jesus. He is greater than everyone and everything. And then it says, Jesus, the son of God. Man, don't miss this one. He is not just some religious figure. He is not just some prophet or some good man, some old preacher. He's not just a dude who went around doing magic tricks, tricking the people. Jesus is God himself. And so when we pray to Jesus, we are praying to God. When you trust in Jesus, you're trusting God himself. When we say Jesus died on a cross, we are saying that God literally went to a cross. The one true God hung on a cross, was beaten, was tortured, spat on, mocked, cursed at. He died and was buried and rose again three days later because he is in Jesus. Because, like, there's no better connection to God than Jesus because Jesus literally is God himself. He is the greatest high priest. You know, the job of a high priest was to be a mediator between man and God. And Jesus makes, obviously, as I just said, the best mediator that there could be. And then finally, this verse ends by saying, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. This is the part I pray over you guys so much. You hear about it. You're told so often that Jesus is better than everything. 
that he's the one solution for your life. You say this, though, that you hold firmly to the faith that we profess. That we're not just these like lip service Christians that talk about church and wear Christian t-shirts and do like service projects together or go on mission trips. You actually, in your heart, deeply believe with this faith that says, Jesus, I will lay everything else down for you. Jesus, I believe you. I will trust you. I pray that you would be a Christian that says, Jesus, I will follow you literally wherever you go. And if you ask me to leave things behind as much as I might love them or be attached to those things or people, I will leave them behind for you. You know, there were disciples that literally left their father sitting in a boat. It's like, peace out, dad, we're following Jesus and literally just left him there and followed Jesus. Sometimes our lives look like that when we hold firmly to the faith that we profess. And here's another reason why the author's telling these people this statement. Because like I said, they were Hebrews, and these Hebrews that were believing in Jesus were suffering crazy persecution. Number one, from the Roman government who thinks Jesus, you know, they just crucified him. Like, we put this guy to death, and now you're following him? Guess what we're going to do to you, right? They're like treacherous people. They're committing treason. But also, if they went over to their own people, their own people hated Jesus because they thought he was, you know, this like false prophet. They're the ones who told the Romans to kill Jesus. So they couldn't even go to their own people. They're like literally going up going like, I can't tell you what I believe anymore. And I don't believe what you believe because you don't believe Jesus is actually God. So no matter which way they went, there were people who wanted to kill them. This was like intense persecution. So this author looks at them and he says, I'm praying that you hold firmly in the middle of all of that pressure and persecution and danger, people literally want to kill you for saying Jesus' name. I'm praying you hold firmly to that faith that you've professed. So there's a bunch of new believers in this room. You guys have seen how many baptisms we've had just this year. There are new Christians who are just starting their walk with Jesus this year or even over the last couple months. And as you've professed your faith in Jesus, let me pray for you tonight this that you hold firm to that profession of faith. That you don't walk out of here and our culture say, hey, you're a bigot for saying this, or you, you should love this sin over here and accept it and be okay. You're immediately like, oh, I guess I shouldn't be a Christian anymore because they said Christians are bad people. But instead you look back to Jesus and go, are you kidding me? He's better than anyone and everything else. You're misunderstanding who he really is. But let me tell you about him. In the middle of persecution, what if we did that? And that's what he's praying these people will do. I know what they're saying they're going to do to you, but don't let go of the faith. As a matter of fact, dig in even deeper and be like, I know you hate what I believe. I know you hate who I love. But listen, I get to tell you about him no matter what you say you're going to do to me. Let me push forward. Yeah, you might lose some friends over it. You absolutely might lose some friends over it. This culture is like writing off and canceling Christians right and left. But you know what? You're gaining everything. There's nothing better than Jesus. As we close, I want to just read this passage to you real quick from Matthew. It's Matthew 13, 19 to 23. 
It says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands this is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Pastor Titus preached on this a few weeks back, and it was this powerful, powerful sermon on our hearts and how we receive this truth, this faith that we're, that, that, that's being talked about tonight. When we hear the word of God, how does your heart respond? What's the soil of your heart look like? And there's four ways. The first one he says is like, it lands on the path where everyone walks and over it and destroys all the seed. It's not like in the field as this farmer's throwing seed out there. It's people who hear it, but they don't really understand it. It's here. But it's not here. It's more superstitious. It's more looking at it like the New Age or Universalist people would look at it. Like, sure, like spirituality is cool, but you never actually go, I believe this. It's changing my heart and my life. It just stays here. And the second type is like the, the seed falls on rocky ground. And this is where it's like this emotional experience. But that's all it is. Like there's no root or depth. It doesn't really end up here. It just ends up in your emotions. It's people who love to come and sing really upbeat songs that are super spiritual and make us feel good and, and get emotional and excited. People who like to see miracles happening but don't really care about the miracle worker, just the fact that there are miracles happening. It's this big emotional experience that never goes any deeper. And it says that that immediately gets, gets rooted out can't grow because it doesn't have roots. It's that idea that we go on retreats or concerts or maybe even summer camp, and you have this big emotional moment in the last day of summer camp, like every year, right? And you're like, oh, I love Jesus. And then a week later, you're out partying with your friends or doing something that you're like, God, I know I should not have done that. There's just this like emotional thing that quickly passed away because it never took root in here. It said, my life's different now. I am different now because I've met Jesus and I know he's better than everything. And the next one is these, the seed that lands in the, among the thorns. It's like people who hear the word of God, but they get sidetracked by the thorns, by either their troubles in their life or they want more stuff. They have this greediness or they just never accept it, right? I think of televangelists who try to get people to like believe this thing, but immediately it's all like about getting more money or getting rich or going to a church where they say, if you believe in Jesus, you'll like have all this wealth and prosperity and it never actually changes your, your heart. You're immediately distracted by the things of life and you toss your faith aside. But there's a good soil that hears it and it reaches their heart. And it moves you. And it changes you. And you understand that Jesus is greater than anyone and anything in your entire life. Why would I ever trade Jesus for anything else? And that's who I pray you guys believe tonight. 
But tonight you look at Jesus and go, you're better than everything. And I stand in faith with that profession that I made that Jesus really is the greatest. You have a great high priest, and I hope you see how wonderful he is. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And maybe there are some of you tonight, maybe some of us who for a long time have put that off. We've been one of those other types of soil, and we've called ourselves Christians. Man, the seed of God's word has reached me and either I've been emotional about it or, or, or it's reached my head and I've thought about it or whatever that situation would be, but for some reason, it's never actually reached your heart. And if you were to be honest tonight, you'd say, it's never changed my life. I've always wondered why I'm still exactly the same. But maybe tonight, the purpose of you sitting here is for that last verse for you to hear that if you confess your sin to Jesus, he will purify you. And Jesus will take your life and make it something greater than you ever thought it could ever be. But it, it comes to a point where you have to say, Jesus, I really believe it. Here, not just here. I trust you, and I place my faith in you tonight. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? We're about to sing another song as we do each week, and I just want to give you guys a moment to just talk to Jesus. Have a conversation with him over the next couple minutes as we sing this next song, and just ask him what your heart looks like. If you truly believe that he is the greatest high priest, that he's better than everything, if that word has truly reached the depths of your heart and it's changing your life, yeah, there's struggles maybe, but like it's changing your life, and you're like, Jesus, I want you more than anything else. Just ask him, will you make that clear to me tonight?